the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live readings. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. A very good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining us for the Bible Live, the quiz show. We're excited to be with you. I say we because I've got a couple of great friends and guests in the studio with me. They are Gary and Katie, Mary Catherine. Oh, is yes. It, is that Irish? Are you? Uh, just a bit. Or an Irish lass. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, I should have known that, right? That was, that's uh, pretty obvious. Mary Catherine Paget, uh, Gary and Katie, Katie Paget. They are. Uh, great friends, and they are also on the staff uh, as part of Crew uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, or now called Crew Across the Land, and they are also part of the Crew Military Staff Team. They work with; um, they have for some time been working with military personnel in a different part of the country, uh, up in Virginia, actually. But Gary and Padgey uh, and Padgey, Katie are considering joining us down here in San Antonio coming down to help us in the great harvest that we are experiencing in our great military city, USA. So we're excited that they're here. They're here a little bit on a, a vision trip. They're checking out the city and looking at the housing and that, and got a chance to visit with us out at Lackland Air Force Base with our uh, work with our basic trainees there. And so they've, they've had a big, what is it? Two days? You've crammed a whole week into two days, I think. So far. Meetings terrific lots of folks. two days. Gary, hello to you, hello to you, Katie. And enter in tonight with all enthusiasm, with total freedom. We're proud to have you on the program with us and we'll we'll get a chance to visit. Now I've I've briefed you both a little bit about what the program does. So let me get some questions out on the airwaves so that uh, any of our listeners calling in there. We read this week from the Psalms and the Proverbs. We read the last, uh, I guess, two chapters or portions of the last two chapters of the great book of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. And then we read the entire book, I believe in one night, uh, one night's reading. We read the book of Lamentations, the book of grieving, 
uh, incredible suffering that took place when Jerusalem was destroyed in 586 B.C. by the Babylonians, by Nebuchadnezzar. And um, after a 13-month siege in which people uh, were just starved uh, to death, even being reduced to uh, cannibalism, uh, sometimes eating their own children and others, uh, it was just an, a time of incomparable suffering. Uh, God had been trying so very hard to call the people of Israel back to himself to repent, and yet there was no way. They had gone uh, too far. I remember there was even a time when he told uh, the prophet Jeremiah, he said, don't even bother praying, it's over. What is that old that old saying from football days? Turn out the lights, the party's over. Mm-hmm. You know, that's... Uh, God had his judgment was a sure thing. And he said, no, don't even pray for them any longer. Uh, and But he did promise to restore them back to the land, which is an amazing thing. It's incredible prophecies. Seventy After 70 years of exile and judgment, God returns uh, men and women uh, to to the land. So we... Uh, we read that, Jeremiah, then Lamentation. And then we've come back this week also to the great book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Let me put a few questions out there on the airwaves, and then we'll visit a little bit with uh, with uh, Gary and Katie and wait for your calls and your comments and thoughts tonight. We'll just all have a good time around the Scriptures. Uh, true freedom, we're told in Psalm 119, true freedom is found when we devote ourselves to, to doing what? True freedom is found when we devote ourselves to doing what? That's Psalm 119, verse 45. Of course, this is an open book quiz. You can look it up, call in, just read it if you want. Uh, but that's the first question of the night. Then from uh, about Psalm 119, this is not actually mentioned in the Psalms, but according to t- tradition, who is it thought? Uh, who is thought to have written Psalm 119. Uh, Remember, this is the longest psalm uh, and the longest chapter in the Bible. Who is is thought to have written Psalm 119? A well-known individual with another book of the Bible. I'll give you a little hint. Another book of the Hebrew Scriptures, the the Old Testament, actually uh, known by his name. But I won't tell you any more than that. Who was it that wrote uh, or at least traditionally is thought to have written Psalm 119. Now, over to the Proverbs. I like the Proverbs this this week. They're, they're fun, really. And, and I can't help but think the writer of the Proverbs sometimes had a great sense of humor and said a lot of these things with a tongue firmly ensconced in his cheek. In Proverbs 26, 13, the lazy person says, I can't go outside the house because there's a wild animal on the road. Well, what animal does he use as an excuse not to go out of the house? That's Proverbs 26, 13. Then Proverbs 26, verse 15, he says that some people are so lazy they won't even do what for themselves? <laughs> you could have a lot of fun with that one, right, Gary? I mean, you know, what <laughs> people, you're so lazy you won't even, well, that's what he says in Proverbs 26, 15. Won't even do what for themselves? Then let's go to the book of Jeremiah. The last king of Israel, his name, or the last ruler over Israel before the destruction of the temple in in Jerusalem, was uh, a man named Zedekiah. 
what was the last thing Zedekiah saw before his eyes were gouged out and he was taken in chains to Babylon? Uh, and all of these things just give us a mental picture uh, of how terrible and how great was the suffering of the people of Israel at the destruction of the temple in 586. Remember that date. 586 B.C. is one of those key dates of the Bible that you want to you want to remember. 722 as well. 722 is when the, the northern kingdoms, the ten northern tribes, fell. Their capital, their final capital was Samaria, the city of Samaria. And they were destroyed in 722 B.C. by the Assyrians up out of Nineveh. Now this, though, is 586, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. All right, let's go to the book of Lamentations. Of whom did Jeremiah say the following? Of whom, about whom, did Jeremiah write the following? They did not try to hold you back from exile by pointing out your sins. Instead, they painted false pictures, filling you with false hope. Who was Jeremiah talking about in the book of uh, Lamentations, chapter 2, verse 14? It's an important passage because this is a very common message from the scriptures, and it's, of course, a, a very important mandate and uh, message for us today in the times in which we live. We must always be alert and uh, for this particular danger. Of whom did Jeremiah write the following? They did not try to hold you back from exile by pointing out your sins. Instead, they painted a false picture, false pictures, filling you with false hope. Who were these individuals? Who did that? Okay, now let's go to the book of Hebrews. Uh, you can give us a call. If you hear any of these questions, you know the answer to it. Uh, you can look up, up in your own Bible if you'd like to give us a call and answer any of these questions. The phone number is 340-9585. If you're dialing long distance uh, from across uh, South Texas here, 39 counties, or from anywhere in the continental United States, you might be listening by via the Internet for all we know. So you, we're live streamed there at kslr.com. So you can uh, join us as well. Just dial this toll-free number, 877 630 Five seven five seven. But local calls with the area code two ten. It's three four zero ninety five eighty five. And we've got our eye on the phone uh, right now. No one's there. You can be the first up tonight if you'd like to call that number and join us on the Bible Live Quiz Show. Now the Book of Hebrews. It was of course written to Jews, right? Hebrews. But what Jews in particular? Look at chapter three of the Book of Hebrews. Verse 1, the book of Hebrews was, of course, written to Jews, but it was really focused more particularly to a certain subgroup of the Jews, of the Jews of that era. What Jews in particular uh, was the book of Hebrews written to? Chapter 3, verse 1. And then Hebrews 4.12. This is a well-known verse, well worth your memorizing. It compares the Bible, God's Word, to a sharp weapon. What is that weapon, and why is it considered to be like that weapon? Okay, I hope you understand the question. I made it more complicated than it really is, I think. Hebrews 4.12 compares the Bible, God's Word, to what sharp weapon and why? All right, and then, well, just two more questions here. 
From Hebrews chapter 9, why was Jesus' blood sacrifice superior to the ritual blood sacrifices of the Old Testament? Um, and even later, not only the tabernacle, but later on, even those sacrifices made, animal sacrifices made at the temple. Why was Jesus' blood sacrifice superior to the ritual blood sacrifices of the Old Testament? That's found in Hebrews chapter 9, and you can call in with that answer. Now remember, and that is a, a, a good reminder, that the general theme of the book of Hebrews is the superiority of Messiah, the superiority, superiority of Jesus uh, to the angels, to you know, others, and many. And he, he goes through listing how that that Jesus, the Messiah, and the redemptive plan of God that was that was actually completed through the work of Messiah that was superior to all the other uh, the, the the foreshadowing and the examples and types that we have presented to us in the Old Testament. So uh, the question is, uh, why was Jesus' blood sacrifice superior to those ritual animal sacrifices? Now then, finally, in obedience to God, Abraham offered up his son Isaac to the Lord. What did Abraham have faith that God was going to do, and why did he believe God would do it? I, I love this question, and, and you're gonna if you don't if you've never read this before in the book of Hebrews, it's in chapter eleven, verses seventeen through nineteen. Chapter eleven, verses seventeen through nineteen. Remember that Abraham was told by the Lord to go and offer up uh, as a sacrifice his son Isaac, and remember that Isaac was a very not just anybody's son. That would have been enough for anybody, their son. But this was a son of promise. This is a son that God supernaturally provided for him and his wife, Sarah, and he was going to be the, the heir to the promises of God to Abraham. And so now God tells him to go offer up his son to kill him. What did Abraham have faith? You know, And Abraham did it. He did it. He obeyed God. And maybe this explains a little bit about why Abraham was willing to do so. It says that Abraham had faith that God would do something very special. Uh, what did Abraham believe that God would do, and why did he believe that God would do it? I hope that makes sense to you. And the answer is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19. You can give us a call if you'd like, 340-9585. While you're looking up the answers or pondering with each other, trying to get the answer, I want to go and visit with Gary and Katie Paget. Uh, they are visiting with us, our team, this week, uh, all weekend long, and we've enjoyed having you both. Thanks for joining me on the radio program tonight. We didn't know uh, you didn't know we were going to make you radio stars out of you, did you? It did not. <laughs> I understand Katie is is quite the uh, the star. Uh, Gary, these two, I've sat around with them all weekend long, and. And they just, they're, they're kind of like the Trinity. They're like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the sense that they, the only way, there's no competition between them whatsoever. The only way they ever comp compete is just to find out which one uh, will compliment and say the greatest things about the other. You know, that, that's <laughs> characteristic of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, the only way you could conceivably think of them in any competition with each other uh, in their wonderful harmony and oneness that we find in the Trinity is that they just, 
spend all the time glorifying each other. The Father wants to glorify the Son. The Son wants to father, glorify the Father and the Spirit. And the Spirit wants to glorify Jesus, the Messiah. It's just astounding. But they spent the whole weekend just bragging on each other, and I love to see that in a married couple. Uh, we, Suzanne and I could learn a lot. We, we've got we to work on that a bit ourselves, just how positive they are. Well, guys, I don't know which of you might want to talk first, but uh, tell me a little bit about your impressions or uh, in the city. What as you? This is your first trip to San Antonio, is it not, Katie? Yes, it is. All right, now, not Texas though. You've been in Texas. No, I've been in Texas. All right, a few you're times. from originally, if I remember correctly, New Mexico and Arizona. Yes. And um, was a good Irish girl going out in New Mexico and Arizona. That, <laughs> uh, it, there's got to be a story there somehow. But anyway, the, you are down here in Texas and down in San Antonio. Uh, what as you've observed a little bit of the city and had a little chance to be around and, and to see the things we're doing and all what just tell us some of your general impressions well first of all when we flew in just looking out the plane window and seeing the green i was a bit amazed i thought i was going to be seeing mostly desert <laughs> well you know i think normally you probably would have seen a whole lot more brown than green but we've had a wonderful spring and a, and a fairly good summer we've We've really enjoyed a lot more rain, I think. Folks, am I correct? We have been going. Texas has been undergoing a little bit of a drought over the last few years, but we had some, some pretty good rain this year. So that I'm glad you saw that. I, I've flown in a couple times over the last uh, month or two as well, and it is pretty nice flying in over this beautiful green city. San Antonio built in a forest, you know. I mentioned that to you guys earlier. So it's uh, quite green. And Okay, the greenery, what else is well, Impressions. the reason that we came out here was to check out this incredible ministry that we've heard so much about. And in doing so, we have found that it's, it's a jewel that needs to be shined up perhaps sometimes, mm -hmm. and uh, as, as all, all things do, and kept strong. And as uh, we also... We're looking at San Antonio as a city and then checking out the Alamo. There you go. I kind of came across a, an analogy of what was happening at the Alamo in 1836 and what's happening in the spiritual realm of today with the Ministry of Crew Military at Lackland Air Force Base. When I was reading the letter that William Barrett Travis wrote on February 24th, 1836. And he said within that letter, he said... Famous, I, le famous letter to Houston, I believe, right? You know what? I'm not even Houston. sure who it was to. I think it was to General Houston to try to ask them to... Go ahead. He was asking for help. He says, I call on you in the name of liberty, of patriotism, and everything dear to American character to come to our aid. And And then later on he wrote... I am determined to sustain myself as long as possible and die like a soldier who never forgets what is due to his own honor and that of his country, victory or death. Wow. He, yeah. wrote, he wrote that days or perhaps even hours before he died. He gave up his life That's for his right. country. And 186, 187 others with him, right, in the, in the mm. battle of mm -hmm. the Alamo. Every Texan knows and is proud of those words and of that that courageous group of men and women and i see them as courageous and and that what i 
how I, I see them in history is how I see you today with Suzanne, the volunteers, mm. the people that, that come together every Sunday and also on Fridays, but mainly every Sunday to welcome over 2,000, is it? Yes. 2,000 airmen and women? 2,000 every Sunday morning, yeah. And they come in, and this group of volunteers minister to these these young troops. They they plant the seed of the gospel. They water it, and they see God's harvest all in one morning. Over a hundred every Sunday morning. That's that's over six thousand yeah. a year. Yeah, it really is quite amazing, and. It, I, I, I try to tell our folks about it, and we're and folks. I know, I know you know me. There's not a there's not an ounce of, of pride or arrogance or in it at all. It is a God thing from beginning to end. It's such an amazing thing what we get to do, and frankly, right here in sleepy little San Antonio, uh, one of the greatest of spiritual harvests uh, taking place, and it, it is it, it really truly astounding. is. And getting a chance to see it this morning as you. You know, we kind of told you about it and kind of described it, but it's, it's so amazing to see them marching in and just hundreds and hundreds of them, young men and women, young American men and women, uh, probably 18 to 25, generally speaking, and uh, ready, open, hungry to hear God's word, hungry to hear so many uh, making, they're making such important decisions at this time in their life about kind of getting their life lined up and getting the spiritual dimension of their life, kind of the eggs, their, their ducks in a row, and and, and uh, we get up there to to experience the harvest and then not only get to see them come to Christ, but uh, walk them through, some uh, lay a foundation for growth and for progress and for commitment so that they can experience a confident, secure relationship with God and principles mm-hmm. and truths that they can use to grow and face all the circumstances, different circumstances of life, including the dangers they face now as warriors, as part of our military uh, personnel of our nation. And then, of course, uh, finally we, we equip them and to share their faith. We help them learn, catch a vision of the great harvest worldwide and how they can share their faith with others. It, it I, I, I don't know. I just had to pinch myself every, mm-hmm. every week, uh, Katie. You're right. And uh, I, I like the idea that the, the thought of, of – um, of our city in that since it's called Military City USA, we think of San Antonio that way because of powerful, very large, not only our military presence, but the military dependents that here are over 350 to 400,000 of the citizens of San Antonio are military or military dependents. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a great, right. great uh, city with that heritage and that tradition. It truly and, is. But I'll tell you this, I, I do want to mention this just quickly that, uh, you, of course, you've seen our part of it, but this I've, I've known we've known San Antonio for, uh, for ever since '82 when we came back from overseas on staff. There, this sleepy little old South Texas city, uh, you know, it's not a Houston. Doesn't have the press that Houston or Dallas gets, and maybe some others. But but there is so much world impact that takes place from this city. Uh, and I, I'm talking about Mongolia. I'm talking about down into Latin America. There's so much missionary activity in this city. Uh, that you know, that I've been a part of with others and other ministries and other our churches. Uh, it is a remarkable God is at work in San Antonio. There's still you're right. There's a battle. 
There's a true battle, a spiritual really battle going on. But a lot of good things happen out mm-hmm. of this little city, and we're we're super proud and and very zealous and jealous for our city. We pray constantly that that God will guide and protect us and continue to use uh, the people of God here in this part of the country. What do you, what have you seen? What we don't have time for? Gary, we'll we'll come back to you, Gary. And we'll ask Gary as well, maybe, and, and you can finish up. Uh, Katie, you're kind of your example about that, uh, your thoughts about the Alamo City and the Alamo. And we'll be back in just a few minutes. Folks, if you heard any of those questions we put out on the airwaves a little earlier, you'd like to answer some of them and maybe win some of our uh, prizes from our sponsors and promoters, then you can give us a call, 340 340- 9585. Don't touch the dial. We'll be right back. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work, we had got our oil done before. It could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't very expect nice. they received that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Whether you're down on the river walk or up in the hill country, take us with you wherever you go. Download the KSLR app for your mobile device at kslr.com. That's kslr.com. Listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Above all powers. Above all powers. Above all 
Oh, what a Savior is ours. And that's the theme of the book of Hebrews, which we led, read this past week on the Bible Live radio program. If you haven't discovered it, you can join us any weeknight, 9.30 in the evening, just about the time you're settling down for a night's rest. And we read a 15 to 20 minute reading from the scriptures, from the Psalms and the Proverbs, and then from our the longer reading from our narrative, uh, the books of, narrative books of the Bible. And uh, just finished up with the book of Hebrews this week. And we'll be going back to pick up at Ezekiel and Daniel this coming week. So join us there, and you get to hear the entire Bible every year. Now, I know a lot of you, you remember your, your mom and your grandma, they always told you, read your Bible, read your Bible. And you've been wanting to read the entire Bible for many, many years, but just never been able to kind of put together the time and the discipline to do it. Well, join us just as you're getting ready for bed. Turn that radio up. Listen each evening and every night. And as we go through the scriptures, you'll hear all the great books, every verse, every chapter, every book of the Bible, every year. Some of you have been joining with us. Now, this is our 14th year through the Bible. And you've been, some of you have been with us all those years. And we're really excited that you're out there and that we're learning from the Word, um, being transformed by God's Word as it renews our minds each and every year. Well, uh, you have some of the questions out there. I'll go over some, maybe those questions a little bit. I'll let you kind of ponder them a little bit more. But right now, I'm in, really enjoying the visit with Gary and Katie Paget. They are crew military staff of 37 years, veterans of the mission field, and uh, got a lot of. We'll talk to them a little bit about their journey uh, through these years, how they got here uh, to this time and this place. But they've been talking about their visit to San Antonio. And Katie was just mentioning this idea that, in her mind, she kind of thought of the Alamo as they went down to see the, the great uh, the, the little mission down there. Were you, were you surprised at how little it was? Yes and no. I was, I was actually surprised by the trees. Oh, they are incredible, yeah. <laughs> incredible, beautiful trees. Those, those I've oak- never seen them the twisted yes. trunks of the oaks down there. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Well, uh, some people always say, I, I, somehow I thought it was going to be bigger, but it's this little little mission uh, church, and it became the focal point of this, this historic moment of patriotism, of Texas, at least patriotism, American patriotism. And uh, she was talking about how that as Travis sent out this call for help to come, that you were kind of likening that to our city calling out, come help with the harvest, you know. And yes, yes. Of course, uh, we, we always pray that way, and you guys are part of an answer to us that you are responding to come and help in our city, help us as God's people here in the great harvest we're seeing. And, uh, well, Gary, are you, what are some of your thoughts as you come to the city? Well, San Antonio is uh, – much larger than I anticipated. It is so spread out, and uh, <laughs> we got a good bird's eye view as we flew in, and and then just driving around the city here, uh, it is uh, uh, a beautiful place. In fact, as we were down at the Alamo last night uh, before it got dark, and it was just beautiful to experience the Southwest culture, listen to the music. In fact, right along the mission there of the Alamo is the Riverwalk, uh-huh. which we thoroughly enjoyed. And along with 
I don't know, hundreds, thousands of people down there last night. <laughs> and so it, yeah. was, it was just a very uh, beautiful evening and just a wonderful time uh, experiencing something that we have never experienced before. Well, we're so thrilled that you're here. We hope you like it a lot enough to <laughs> come join us. Yeah, we're, we're thrilled about that. Well, tell us about yourselves. How did you uh, yeah, go back a few years? I know uh, I, I'm interested in the fact that I just learned as we visited today, and of course I know a little bit from our times in the past as well, that you were a jock starting out in college. You were a runner, an athlete, and somehow in the midst of that, I think even in college it was when you came to Christ, uh, Gary. So tell me a little bit about that and, and how you kind of got mixed up with this this Campus Crusade bunch or crew. Yes, thank you, Sophie. I, I, I actually uh, never thought of myself as a jock, but I thought of myself as a, a person who loved to run. Uh, in fact, so much so that uh, as I grew up... Um, Where was that, my, by the way? Grew I, I grew up in South Dakota. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, taught on the Rosebud Indian Reservation there. Oh, how about that? Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm guessing those were, those were Sioux tribes or... Yes, correct. Okay. Uh-huh. Sioux Indians. And uh, I'm from Sioux Falls uh-huh. within South Dakota there. But I grew up uh, running, loving to run, and my God was my legs because I loved to run. Your guide or your God? My God. Oh, yes. is that right? G-O-D. Yeah, small G. So you had a little idol. Yes, I did. There, huh? it, it was uh, the controlling factor of my life and uh, so much loved it that I, I ran competitively throughout high school, uh, got a small scholarship to go to college, and uh, that was right near during the Vietnam era. Uh, mm-hmm. had a draft number of three and, and thought, no, Oh, my land. Yes, that was a no-brainer. I was going to go off and do what I loved most instead of going to war. And uh, but here we are working with the military. Sounds like Forrest Gump. Yes. <laughs> run, Gary, run. <laughs> yeah, I could just see yes. you out there. So your draft number was mine was three hundred and fifty-six. Okay. My draft number. So and you were in the lottery there with. Did, did you go into the military? Well, no. or because of your uh, athletic and being in, in yeah, college, you didn't I, have to. We, I had a, dra- uh, a college deferment, I see. and so I went off and ran and uh, and had a lot of fun, uh, experienced uh, just uh, great relationships with other athletes, and, and it was in my senior year, I ran a steeplechase race, bruised my heel, and wasn't able to run for a year and a half, but right after that injury, I was at the uh, the pinnacle of uh, peak of my uh, my running career, and I uh, found myself injured, couldn't even run. And uh, a friend on the track team invited me to church with him. Your idol got chipped, huh? <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. Well, this friend uh, didn't know it, but I wasn't in uh, in the least bit interested in religion. But I went because he was my friend. Well, I'll be. And that morning, was he also on the on the team? Or the, he was the on the track team. That's right. He was my toughest competitor. Do you think it was uh, any in any way, shape, or form courageous of him to ask you, or no, was no, it no, just no. a a good close friend? Invite and yeah, he, we were. He you was, weren't hostile, overtly hostile. N- not, at okay. Okay. not at all. Not at all. I was respectful, but I was not in the least bit interested. But that morning, to uh-huh. my surprise. I sat in a church feeling very uncomfortable. The message <laughs> said nothing to me. So when the pastor said, amen, I thought, good, I'm out of here. 
and then he shared the good, some good news to me. He said that there was a God who loved me and wanted a relationship with me. And he said that I didn't have to do anything to have that relationship except to just believe that God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross in my place to pay the penalty for my sin. All I had to do was believe. And this At, was the post-sermon, right? After the... That's right. Toward the end. That's right. This was just a presentation of the good news that God loved oh, me and wanted a relationship with me, the gospel. Uh-huh. And so uh, I, that morning I said to myself, you know what, I got a lot of questions. And never was religious, but I thought, I, I, this is too good to believe, uh, to, to, to return down. <laughs> I, I, I gotta, I'll, I'll get my questions answered later, and I'm going to trust in Christ's death for the forgiveness of my sins and his resurrection uh, for eternal I'll life. Be. And so Surprise I yourself, I guess. I'm sorry? I mean, this was not something you thought went to church thinking you were going to do, right? No, I mean, no, no. Not In fact, it, I was going in the, I was kind of running uh, away from uh, God, to put it clearly. I, I had no interest whatsoever. You seem to have such a clear memory of that experience. Maybe you can actually talk to me a little bit about how does that happen? What I mean, I, I mean, now as a mature believer, you look back with more understanding. But how does a person with absolutely no interest and no intention whatsoever of doing that, so, and you know, essentially agnostic or maybe even slightly in, against the gospel message, and and then all of a sudden you find yourself surprisingly being attracted to it and. What was your reasoning that, well, you know, this is this is something that, I mean, I if, think if that's it, it's just too good not to do or something like that? I think it's a great question uh, because uh, I have no doubt that God was preparing my heart. Yeah. Even though I didn't even know my own heart, I, uh, I had seemingly no interest whatsoever. But the gospel is the power of God for the salvation that's of those who says, believe. And so when I heard it, I said, this is too good to be true. Uh, to, quite honestly, Sophie, I, I did believe I was a sinner already. I, and I was not a terrible person, uh, but I, I mean, by, by human standards. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was, uh, uh, but I was not in the least bit interested in knowing God personally. I didn't think you could. That was the first time that morning that I'd ever heard that. Just, just the very concept of, you're, that, that that didn't fit with every, what you had thought before about religion or about Christianity. I religion. never thought about religion. Yeah. I never thought about God much at all. I I did believe that there was a God, and to be honest with you, I I actually didn't like to think about God because when I did, uh, yeah. there was a fear that one day I was going to meet my Maker and give an account for my life. And that morning. Uh, I had to think hard and fast, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and, and just being honest with myself, I said, "You know what? Um, I'm not going to trust in Christ's death for the forgiveness of my sin just so I can escape hell, but because I want to know this wonderful Creator, yeah, who uh, loves me and 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 says He wants a relationship with me, and I'm going to check this out." That's amazing. You know, we see that sometimes uh, with the trainees. You alluded to the fact a while ago that. Uh, sometimes, particularly Suzanne, my wife goes down on Fridays, and she meets 
you know, the three to 400 brand new trainees have just been brought in that week to start their basic training. And a number of them would self-identify as agnostic or even atheist. And she has said before that the, one of the things she notices as she presents, uh, she gives a little presentation to let them know about our ministry, what we do, and, and make them feel welcome to come. And she has said before that sometimes she thinks we, we do seem to get a rather high number of, of young men and women who self-identify as agnostic or atheist. They'll write it on their comment slips on their because every week they communicate with us with their feelings, their thoughts, their experience, and their opinion about what, they, what we're doing and the service or the lesson that they, they attended. And they'll write things, and, uh, and we do tend to get a whole lot that self-identify of uh, or at least I was agnostic. I was an atheist, but boy, and it seems like I think Suzanne has mentioned before that uh, to me that she thinks the one thing that quite often she says that just takes them by surprise is so many of them have never even considered the idea of a loving, you know, caring God who desires a, re- a personal friendship, a relationship with us, not just a religious system and not just a bunch of rules or or, or lifestyle or whatever, but a, a, a satisfying relationship with the creator of the universe. That, and she says that she thinks that sometimes that's the first time they, you, you're kind of reinforcing that. that well, Sophie, I mind. really think that we underestimate the yeah. gospel. We underestimate the power of it. Uh, and, of course, God says in Romans yeah. 1 that it is the power of God for the salvation of those who believe, and it is powerful. I he mean, says, I'm I, not ashamed of the gospel, yeah. which really, if I understand the language there a bit, and I've, I've looked into it, that was actually, it, it, it's, he was saying a whole lot more than I'm not ashamed. In contrast, what he was really saying is, I am, I am so proud of this gospel. You know? and, and I am too. I've gotten to the extent that it's so beautiful. It, it's so beautiful, and it's, and its intricacies, and its details, and the way it satisfies the longing of the human heart. And I, it, the gospel is beautiful. And uh, Paul says it. I'm not ashamed, for it is the power of God. And, and I, I agree. I think, and we we probably should uh, <laughs> certainly put it out there more faithfully, more 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 and more often. All of us as individuals and as ministries as well. Well, how did after after that? I, I I'm guessing then. Your friend, after he picked himself off the floor, <laughs> surprised that you had made that decision. I guess you began to grow. How how long was it there before you talk about your growth and maybe how did you meet Katie in, in the midst of that? Well, I immediately got plugged into a church, and uh, uh, I, and how uh, did your family respond to your decision? Oh well, uh, it didn't. They they uh, all came to Christ. I have two brothers and two sisters. And my mother all came to Christ within the next six years. You were just the first domino. Uh, yeah, huh? one of five. Oh. And uh, I immediately went home and I wrote them. This meant a lot to me. I wrote them when I got home from church. And each one of them, my brother was in the Navy, my older brother, uh. older sister out in the state of Washington. And then my younger sister, younger brother and mother across the state. And I told them what I did. And I told them that they needed to, they needed to do the same. 
And, and nobody but, told you you had to do that, right? I, I'm oh, guessing. absolutely not. No, I mean. It, it was just it, a natural sharing of. What, what do you do with good news, Sophie? Oh, uh, you share it. You got to tell it. You got to tell somebody. It's a boy or, or <laughs> we won or whatever the good yeah. news is. Yeah. And this is the best news ever. Yeah. The next thing I did, the first thing I did is I did just what I, I knew I needed to do. I needed to find out what was I getting myself into. So I bought myself a Bible. <laughs> Okay. And I started reading that. I took it around with me everywhere I, everywhere I went. Whenever I could, I'd crack it and, and just read and read and read. And frankly, I, and this I felt, was your first exposure, I yes, guess, to that book. Yes, right, first time. Yeah, yeah. that must have been. Were, were you at all befuddled or knowing one end from the other? I mean, I, I'm I was. guessing you didn't know a lot about uh, Soapy. That's befuddled is a good way of saying it. I was I was probably understanding half of what I read. But I was so... Did you just start at the front and just... Uh, no, you... no. Actually, uh, I started reading what I best understood, and that was the Gospels. Uh-huh. And so I just kept reading and reading, and I was fascinated. I'd never read anything like it before. And, <laughs> and, and I would say the half that I did understand, or thought that I understood anyway, <laughs> spoke loudly enough to me that uh, I, I just, it made me more and more desirous to learn. And so I got plugged yeah. into this church, and, and I, uh, I found a guy, a friend. He was uh, vice president of Sioux Falls College at the time, and his name, Norman Haupt. Uh, I, I, I'd, I'd love it if he were listening to us today. Uh, he uh, took me under his uh, tutorage, so to speak, and he discipled me. And that I was on my way to uh, growing and growing up in Christ. I'll be. I met Katie um, at a Toastmasters club. Uh, actually, this was quite, quite a few years later. Uh, we were, I was 40 when I got married to Katie, but I met her at age 37, I think it was, 36, I can't remember, and, and I met her at a Toastmasters club, and she was not a And believer. you were already on staff? I was on staff, staff yes. Mm -hmm. I, I was with Campus Crusade. I came on with the track team and ran with them for a number of years. Went athletes, to athletes in action. Athletes yeah. in action. Mm -hmm. Went to Arizona State University and was a chaplain for the football team and for uh, the track team. I helped oh, coach man. distance yeah. runners. I love AIA. I mean, it's amazing the things that how creative they've been in using athletics as a as a vehicle for sharing the gospel. Our oldest son played soccer at Stanford for uh, all of this time out there, and then ended up going on with AIA to Europe and France and playing all across Europe and down into Brazil. So he's had some, I mean, they just really have ministered strongly in, in his life and, of course, giving him a chance as well to be a part of the great ministry. That's a, it's a great, great ministry. So that, you were part of AIA for a good number of years there? Yes, right? I was, for about 10 years. Uh, started out um, with the track team in Southern California, then went to Arizona State University as a field rep working with the athletes. And uh, anyway, I, I want to fast forward and just say that uh, I, I joined the, uh, I went from Athletes in Action to the Adult Community Ministry, Here's Life, Arizona. Finally grew up, huh? Yeah, to be. <laughs> yeah the kids were getting younger and younger for me. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I, I, I desired to work with adults and, and I was at a Toastmasters club and that's when I meet, met Katie. You so you decided to try to improve your communication skills or something, or yes, yes, uh, and uh, well, it, was, it was it uh, was 
not something that came real easy to me, uh, but I, I just wanted to be a faithful messenger of uh, God's word. And so uh, there I met Katie, and that relationship uh, did not kick off right away, but uh, Katie at that time was not a believer herself. Uh-huh. And it was probably about a year after I met her. Like that, you were in her class? Uh, or I, or I, was you, were you just a participant as well? I, I know you were, were you leading some of those seminars at that time? I was just getting started in public speaking. So I was learning the ropes through Toastmasters, which is an excellent organization. Uh-huh. And I was also very interested in the spiritual life. Really? I just didn't know how to find the truth. Well, being from the Southwest, there's kind of a <laughs> culture of that, of being in touch with spiritualism and yes, spirits. Yes. And so uh-huh. that's, uh-huh. I think, part of the part of the lore, at least, of, of New Mexico, Arizona, you know, the Native American mm-hmm. tribes and presence. So, so you were not, uh, so you were at least spiritual-minded. Did you have any particular thought or, or bias for or against the, the idea of Jesus? Or? Well, to me, Jesus was like an old friend who was about as far away from me as someone across a football field. And if I got into serious trouble, I might call him because I had heard about him as a child. We went to church, a Catholic church, when, up until I was eight years old. So I knew about Jesus. But that's it. I knew about him. You knew about Jesus uh, growing up, being a Jewish person, a Jewish no, rabbi, a Catholic. dying on the oh, cross. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. That he was Jewish. Dying and, for our mm-hmm, sins and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Oh. Yes, I would see him on the cross, and I think, oh, how horrible that must have been for him, and he must have really loved all of us. And well, and I did, I did as a child. I even remember standing outside my church before we moved away, and consequently never went back to church. And I, I remember saying, Jesus, I hope you'll always be my friend because I'm leaving all my friends. And I did not step foot into a church again until after I became a believer in my 30s. What a story. What, how did it happen? I mean, Well, I was, I was working in, to balance out my life. I wanted to be financially healthy, physically healthy, and spiritually healthy. And I didn't know what I wanted spiritually, so I started shopping. And I went to science and mind churches. I, I met some friends who were into transcendental meditation. I went to seminars on being powerful, personally powerful, and and walked over hot coals and Did jumped off really? a telephone pole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just was looking for something to fill that vacuum in my heart because I knew I was weak in that area. But I also knew that the spiritual life was real. I would meditate sometimes for hours and and just go on these kind of mind trips. Well, was it never, like, satisfying to you? Or It was interesting. It was, it was very interesting, but no, it was never really satisfying. 
And I suppose you met some interesting people. Oh, yes. I met people in the in Wiccan. <laughs> I met a man who called himself a sorcerer. I almost said the word weirdos. But, uh, <laughs> but, and, and I don't, I, please, folks, I'm not and, the one to. And I was, I was a businesswoman. I was people, strong. Yeah. I, was in, I was in mortgage banking. And so I was strong financially and socially. And, Lobby. And, but I was wanting to find out the truth about the spiritual realm. And I even though I knew about Jesus, I thought I'd already known everything about Jesus. So I had him up on a shelf. He was at a distance. So he was part of the he was part of the mix, but he yes. was, doesn't have but, that hmm. uh, hadn't discovered the uniqueness yet of him and what I guess I'm guessing. Well, that. during this toastmaster of what he had to offer perhaps mm-hmm. maybe. During the toastmaster meeting, so it just happened to be a man who was working in the same office as Gary, as my husband. And one day he came up to me and he says, Katie, he says, I'm fascinated with your talks about what you're looking into in, your, in the spiritual realm. He says, have you ever heard of the four spiritual laws? And I said, no, but I want to. And he says, well, here's a little booklet that explains about the four spiritual laws, just as, as there are physical laws that govern the physical universe. So there are spiritual laws, laws that govern our relationship yes. with God. He said, would you like to read this? I said, yes, I would. And he says, well, I don't want to bother you with it. I know you're very busy, so I don't want to give this to you. And unless you can promise me that you'll read it cover to cover and give me your thoughts about it, because I am very curious about your thoughts on this. And I said, well, sure, I'll, I'll read it. And then he pulled it back from me. And he says, no, 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 Katie, really. I, I know you're busy. Are you sure you can take <laughs> oh, the time to read this yes. from good. cover to cover? And I said, give it to me. I want to read it. I said, I promise I will. That night I read it four times. And it took four times, I think, for the Lord to get it into my head and into my heart that you I needed. You were that interested in uh, spiritual matters and spiritual things. And, and somehow, did, was there anything about him that was intriguing? Had oh. you noticed a certain, I'm not talking about uh, physical attraction. I'm just talking, had you noticed that, you know, he's an interesting person. I, I would trust something that he would bring to me. He was, was there any of a, that? He was boring, basically, in my mind. He was a family man. Not he the was, best speaker in the group. Yeah, he was okay. <laughs> but he was he was just a, he was a someone in my Toastmaster group. Well, we're going to come back in just a little bit and I, after our top of the hour break here. And we're going to continue the story. I, I want to hear the rest of it and kind of how I you guys met. Here. You know, some things in life are just too serious Jumping to right take over chances on. And we'll be right back. The IRS Don't go is definitely one of those. The IRS has the power to garnish your paycheck. They can levy your bank account, even take your home or business seriously. Thankfully, with one simple call, you can start solving your tax debt once and for all. Optima Tax Relief is the leading tax resolution firm in the nation. They have over 250 professionals. They have an A rating with the Better Business Bureau, and the trust of thousands of satisfied clients. Optima's attorneys can immediately protect you from aggressive collections because they are experts in the Fresh Start Initiative. That's a special IRS debt forgiveness program that could save you thousands. Don't wait till it's too late. Get serious. Call Optima now for your free consultation. Call 800-711-5743. 800-711-5743. 800-711-5743. 
Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Hello, this is Esther Nell, owner of Spot Asante. Did you know that according to WebMD, 75 to 90% of all doctor's visits are due to stress? And Spot Asante is here to help you get on the pathway to good health. I've always wanted Spot Asante to be a sanctuary for health, wellness, and blessing. In fact, Spot Asante means the spa for good health. Our professionals really do care about you. We're going to help you relax, and we have treatments that help soothe everything from headaches, backaches, fibromyalgia, and many other ailments. Spadasante truly is a place where stress and anxiety are relieved. Visit Spadasante.com and personalize, purchase, and print your custom gift certificates 24-7 for your convenience. We have four locations to serve you, and we're open seven days a week. If you'd like more information or if you'd like to speak to one of our knowledgeable staff, call us at 210-375-1110. Come to Spadasante where you can start your healing and enjoy your life. The following is not an actor, but a real life story from Trinity Debt Management. I had numerous credit cards and I was struggling with paying them off. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-758-5360 to talk to a certified counselor. I had heard about Trinity, so I made the call. They took care of all of my credit cards and now I am completely debt free. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy Easy to manage monthly payment, put a stop to late fees and over limit charges, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. The people at Trinity are very friendly. They will do whatever you need them to do in order for you to feel better about being in a very difficult place. If your debt has you down, call Trinity at 1 800 758 5360. My name is Ann, and I'm debt free for keeps. 1 800 758 5360. AM 630 KSLR, KSLR.com, and on ChristianRadio.com. Tune in and the iHeartRadio app. Your station for Somebody Loves You. Weekday afternoons at 1230. AM 630 KSLR, San Antonio. A service of Salem Media Group. The Lord has promised good to me. His word, my You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. God-honoring Jesus-centered music these days. I love the, what's happening in Christian musicians. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bible Live, the quiz show. We've got a bunch of questions we put out there from our readings this past week. But uh, we've kind of left them there with you and we've been listening to Gary and Kay, Katie Paget tell about this journey. You know, the, I, I love a story. I love the drama, the adventure of human lives and now, there's not a single boring one in the world to me. Uh, I love to hear how God finds people 
and brings them to himself. It's it just amazing. So they're kind of recounting some of their experience and how they ended up now. Uh, 37-year veterans with the Ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ are now called Crew. And uh, I, I'm guessing it has taken you to surprising places. Have you ever done any inter- international experience as well? Have you, mm-hmm. Did you ever run and race maybe in other countries? or? No, I didn't run in other countries, but I've been with Campus Crusade in Beijing. Projects and, of and different Europe kinds, yeah. With a baseball team. That's right. You said you'd been to the Great Wall of China then. And, yes. Uh, we were looking at that. Well, anyway, we're catching up on it. Let's go and talk to Mike, though, guys, just uh, for a moment. Let him. Maybe Mike's got a question about something he's been hearing from you, and or maybe he'd like to answer one of our questions. Hi, Mike. Good to talk with you tonight. Uh, hi, Sophie. Good to uh, hear hello, from Gary. you. Hi, Katie. Hi. Hi. I, I had, uh, I've been listening, and uh, I've had uh, a favorite runner, uh, long-distance runner from the late 1930s, and um, his name was Glenn Cunningham. Yes. And you remember him? Yes, I do. I oh, don't know him personally. Oh, praise the Lord, Gary. Thank you. Um, the, the story uh, with Glenn was that uh, when he was a little boy, um, he and his brother were given the job of, of starting the, the heater at the schoolhouse. Oh, yeah, I remember and, this, um, too. Yeah. The delivery man delivered gasoline instead of kerosene, so when they, they started the heater, it blew up. Oh, no. And he's, his legs were badly burned, and the doctor said, we've got to amputate. Hmm. And his mother stood on the, the word, you will not amputate my son's legs. And she was the only one. Everybody said, you've got to. It's, they're burned badly. Look at them. He'll, he'll never make it. And um, no way. You are not amputating <laughs> my boy's legs. And she battled that oh, doctor, battled him, battled him. And finally, the doctor submitted. He said, okay, you win. But that guy <laughs> will be on crutches the rest of his life. He'll never be able to even walk. Yeah. I remember and, um, this now, yes. They rubbed his legs. And they not only revived, he became a record-setting uh, yes. long-distance runner. And I was wondering if Gary um, um, could tell me if how he, how he if they stood on. Uh, they used to read the the text: "I will mount up on eagles' wings. I will run and not be weary." And they the parents just rubbed his legs, and he yeah. oh, he was just. Wow! If I, I remember correctly, uh, Mike, he was the first one to break the four-minute mile, which, of course, that may not seem so much today with the speeds they're running nowadays. But oh, that was uh, was almost considered unbreakable that nobody would ever do that. And uh, if I remember correctly, didn't Glenn? Uh, he's from Kansas, and he broke. I think he was the first one to break the four-minute mile. But maybe you would know better than I. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I I just think that. Uh, People who have gone through uh, experiences so painful, uh, a lot of times uh, excel beyond, way beyond what they would have otherwise. And I would be a bit surprised if that was the case for him. Uh, But what a wonderful story. And, you know, I'd forgotten his story until you just mentioned it. Oh, thank you, Gary. Thank you, Sophie. I I wanted to know what he was famous for, breaking the... Four-minute mile. I, I, I think I, that's what it was, uh, Mike. Uh, by the way, Mike, I mean, uh, old Soapy Dollar here was a, was a runner as well, but I didn't run very fast. <laughs> I, I, I played football, basketball. Way, no, all. My coach always said, Dollar, you're, 
you're a good runner, but you just run too long in the same place. You know, that's what, <laughs> I, I, uh, they always wanted me to be faster somehow or other, but I never, and I never really saw the joy of running. Some of these guys would get out, they just run and they just feel the wind and I, it, it always hurt. <laughs> so I'm a little mystified, but I admire it. I really do. I admire these guys. Well, thanks for calling in, Mike. We're good to hear from you. Okay, Sophie. All right. Thanks, Gary. Bye, Katie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Great, great to hear from Mike. Oh, pick up there. Uh, I forgot which of it we were talking. Maybe it was you, Katie Thomas. Yeah, this. I, I was kind of interested in why you almost had a, a kind of an experience like Gary in the sense that his, his turnaround, he was so eager all of a sudden. Uh, there was something at work in you that made you kind of hopeful and eager about this message, which which I, I'm still kind of curious. You had no foreknowledge, like the of, of like the four spiritual laws, or you didn't know it was necessarily a, a evangelical Christian type thing or anything. Oh like no, that. I had no idea. I was just looking. I was looking for help at, actually at that time, because I was starting to realize that the spiritual realm was definitely real, and it was powerful. And it was affecting my life on a daily basis in a negative way. I wasn't getting the sleep that I was hoping for. I would have these very strange dreams. And I... Did you feel yourself, in a sense, being maybe kind of sucked in more and more to... Well, yes. And, and, well, one of the people that I had met who had... uh, He was telling me that, that, that... he was a sorcerer he gave me a spiritual gift and he says it's a gift of the colors of mars and i thought he was just interesting man and i wasn't fearful of him because i'd been taught through all these seminars i was going to that i was going to that were supposed to be business seminars they ended up being new age metaphysical seminars but i was taught oh no you don't have anything to fear but fear itself just be interested in everything so i opened myself up and in opening myself up, <laughs> I got a lot of junk. And that some of that junk was dangerous. It was, it was overpowering me. I'm glad you're sharing this because sometimes we warn people from the scriptures. We're, we're often warned. And I, I mentioned mm-hmm. that tonight. One of our questions had to do with, uh, uh, in the book of Jeremiah, I think it was, it said, uh, oh, hey, let me find it. And I want... Uh, about how uh, it was the whole idea of uh, where is it? Oh, of whom did Jeremiah write the following? They did not try to hold you back from exile by pointing out your sins. Instead, they painted false pictures, filling you with false hope. And over and again in the in the scriptures, not only here in, and he was referring to false prophets, mm. corrupted priests of of his day, those who kind of came with a, a a false message about God and kind of a veneer of spiritualism and, and but a lot of people are taken in and so sometimes I warn I, even our listeners I talk about be careful about uh, Satanism be careful about uh, be careful about uh, false prophets false preachers and you feel sort of funny and silly sometimes saying that because you know most people kind of believe well any building with a cross on it's got to be good or anybody that wears a collar and it's got to be cause a reverend in for his name he's got to be good. And yet, over and over again, the Bible tells us, be very careful. There are 
if that message isn't the truth about God and his redemptive plan for our lives, I mean, it can really be alluring. So I'm, I'm glad you're mentioning this. So you sensed a little bit, somehow or other, that being sucked in or a little bit of the danger of that, and, mm-hmm. and you felt like these laws spoke to that? You read it four well, times, you said I, that night. I felt that I'd, I'd opened a Pandora's box by hanging around these witches and, and sorcerer, and that I needed help. I needed. I wanted to find the the true God. I wanted to find a, the God who would protect me and love me. Did you feel in some way that you were going back to your old friend Jesus that you had said goodbye to years before? No, or? no. I, I Actually, I don't even think I thought about Jesus when I first got the four spiritual laws, when uh-huh. I was seeking for help. Uh-huh. I, I didn't because I thought I'd already taken care of that. I uh-huh. thought I'd already learned everything I needed to learn about Jesus and and he was just just out there. And so when I opened up the Four Spiritual Laws booklet and I said and I saw that, you know, the first law was that God loved me and had a wonderful plan for my life, I thought, oh, oh okay, I, I like this. And, so far, and so I agree good. Yeah. with it, yes, and reading the scriptures and then that I was separated from God. How about the, the problem the, of sin? Was that the a problem sin. Well, to you at all? That was a problem for me because I had been taught that, no, 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 there is no such thing as sin. There's just poor choices, and you can learn from some that, you know, when you make the wrong choice or a choice that's harmful, you can learn from that and move on and then make better choices. So there's really no such thing as sin. And I thought that sounded logical. But when I saw that sin actually, and it this took me the fourth time before I really saw this, that being independent and going your own way was actually what the Bible called sin. And I was a woman who was on the path of, I am woman, hear me roar. <laughs> well, I, I can I can take care of myself. I can bring home the bacon, and I can do everything. And that, that self-will, mm-hmm. you, you came to understand, whether it's active rebellion against God or just passive yeah, it indifference was just, to him. It was passive indifference, and it was... Indi- independence from God. Independence, yeah. yes. I from was on my God. own. Yeah. And so I, but I looked at that and I thought, oh, with that, you mean just being who I was, just being independent, that's, that's being sinful? Wow, I, I had never thought about that. So then the third law, saying, talking about how Christ came, that Jesus died for, to pay the penalty for my sin so that I could then be reunited with God. I could truly be united with God because of Jesus. That I agreed with because of my Catholicism. I knew that Jesus had died on that cross. But the fourth law, that one was one I had never conceived. The I had, individual it decision. It never come to my mind at Did all. we each make our own decision yes, about that, that relationship. Fourth mm. law, it, it, that individual relationship with the God of the universe, that that was absolutely possible. That blew me away, and when I when I continued on reading and I saw the prayer and I, I'd read through the prayer, and then I'd start all the way over again and start reading again through <laughs> it, and I did it four times, and then I, I I I I got down on my knees and I said, Oh God, I said, the God who is true, show me who you are, and He gave me this beautiful vision of these two trellises, ivy trellises. And I looked through one, and one of them had this very thin 
road. It was, it was only wide enough for one person to walk on it, and it was steep on both sides. And it just went, went ahead of me. And so, and I thought, ooh, that, that may be tough to walk on. And then I went over to the other ivy trellis, and it was a wide open road. And it was a l very light color in the beginning, and then it got darker and darker. Well, then as I formulated the question, well, God, the God who I, I want, the good God, which road is yours? And I, I looked through the first ivy trellis, and I saw that narrow road again, and then he wrote on the narrow road, he wrote, Jesus Christ, Christianity. And then I backed up and I looked through the other ivy trellis. Wow. And I didn't see any writing until I looked all the way into the darkest area and I saw the word sorcerer. I said, okay, I want now, this Jesus Christ. This wasn't a dream. It, it, was, a, it was a vision. <clears throat> I have, as he you is were not, pondering this. Yes, as I was pondering, as I was praying, I was praying, I was saying, God, I... I, I know I need you. I know I need to be saved from myself. I have been searching for, for the one true God, and, and I want you, whoever you are. And so he showed me it was Jesus Christ, Christianity. And as I, I said, please, I said, yes, be my God. Save me. I'll be. And, and please send me a man who's strong enough to help me stay on your path because I know me. I know I'll fall off that path every day. So please send me a godly man. And that was my very first prayer. And I had already met Gary. I was going to ask you had y'all, was this? We met just a week before. Pre-Gary. Is that a fact? And just for a few minutes. Oh my lands. And he didn't want anything to do with me because he knew I, I was not a Christian. You know what's funny? <laughs> uh, now that you tell me this, and I don't know if y'all have ever happened upon this you have mentioned to me several times, maybe two or three times during your stay here. We, we, you know, we had supper together the other night over at the house, and you saw our yard and all. And you have mentioned several times that that Gary has a green thumb. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden you're talking about this, uh, this trellis, trellis and oh. this <laughs> ivy growing. And I'm thinking, here's this guy who's got the green thumb. And I, You've never happened upon that thought before, connecting no, those two no. ideas? Well, you just met the, the man with the green thumb the week before that. That's right. And now all of a sudden you're having this vision about this yeah. trellis and this ivy and this, this narrow path. How long was that before you discovered that verse in the Scripture which, where Jesus talks about narrow? Oh, it was. I think it was, well, that first year I was discipled by a lady in my church, <laughs> and I probably came across it during that time. I, I'm wondering if you didn't go... Oh, I did. I that. did. She she did because I shared with her my testimony. Oh, and she probably found it and showed you and the verse. And she found it. Yes. Be, yeah. That's amazing. Well, so but so, uh, well, had you been praying, Gary? What was the deal? She prayed for <laughs> well, a godly man. Had you been praying? Or? God is at work. It's interesting to hear her story, and then my side of the story was that I one day had my boss. Carl Combs, I was working with Here's Life. Carl uh, Combs was your boss? Yes, yes, oh, yes. He was my director. You know, yeah. I've had so many directors with <laughs> right, the Campus Crusade. Right. I think everybody who was on staff with Campus Crusade, 
at some time or other, almost everybody has been my director. <laughs> I just go around looking for, would you direct me? Uh, oh, great, rocket science. Yes. You know, we talked about you. Yeah, right? He's right. not rocket science. Well, he was a genuine aerospace NASA, scientist. Aerospace, yes. Rocket Worked scientist. With NASA. I love his stories about all those rockets that <laughs> fell yes. into yes. the Gulf of Mexico <laughs> in the early rocket program, the early, uh, the early NASA program. So uh, you were there, he was your director? And well, he approached me one day and said, <laughs> Gary says, uh, and he knew the answer, uh, he, he knew me, we were good friends. He says, Gary, do you want to get married? And being an engineer, you know, his, I, I said yes, and he, being an engineer, had the, the typical engineer answer, he says, what are you doing about it? <laughs> and and uh, I didn't have to think long, long about that. I wasn't doing anything about it. And out of that conversation came a plan that I had prayed about and thought, you know, I need to do something about this. So I, I actually got myself a little black book, and Katie got her name in there. And But, bef but with that black book also was a plan to uh, get some accountability because this was a pretty big decision to get married. And I anything I set my mind to in my life, I usually fulfilled. Um, uh, but, but You're one of those disciplined people? Yeah. Extremely. Yeah, I just, <laughs> so I, I knew that I didn't want the wrong woman. I wanted the right woman. So I went to two very godly women in my church. And I said, would you, these were dear, dear, dear close friends. One of them was married. One of them had never been married. Pastor's daughter, both godly. And we had served together in ministry with internationals and uh, just all kinds of ministry and and I asked them if they would um, help me uh, pick a mate and they they said absolutely what do you got in mind and I said well meet with me after church when I'm interested in dating somebody to introduce you to them and uh, so the first girl I became very interested in I knew she was interested in me we never dated I I asked her if she'd go to lunch and I wanted to introduce her to a couple friends uh, she went with me, uh, they, all four of us, these two ladies, they were all excited about it. We, we, we visited, we had lunch, we got back to the church, and I, I said, uh, uh, when she, the, the gal took off, I forget her name, she, she left the parking lot and went home, and I turned around, and I looked at Helen and Margaret, and I was all excited to hear them say, you'll be crazy if you don't marry this woman, but they both had thumbs down. And they they told me to n not not go in that direction, and I and I was very upset. But I um, I came to my senses and realized that these ladies I picked them because I knew they had intuition and understanding about women a whole lot better than I did. Oh my and goodness! The next person I met that I b became interested in and wanted to date was Katie, and they told me, in fact, you'll be crazy if you don't marry Katie. So. <laughs> Yes, that really is like a me. really interesting. I don't know very many stories that like that. I mean, wow, that they you told were able him. to trust someone else's impulses and instincts about something so very these, personal. These were godly women, uh -huh. and I had prayed about this, and this was the plan that God gave me, and. I believe in our I'll great be, God, and I, be. you know, I wanted to be obedient to what um, I thought He was, in fact, leading me to do. But, you know, the story doesn't stop there. Um, we did uh, get married, and uh, uh, we have uh, had an incredible privilege of serving in some wonderful ministries 
Um, but the one that we are now involved with, uh, Crew Military of Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, Katie, why don't you tell them the story how we got involved? Well, we have three children, and when they were little, 9-11 happened. And, in fact, the kids and I were out at that time. And when we, we heard about it, we were all, of course, devastated. Everybody can remember what happened to them 9/11. on 9-11. You know where we were, yeah. And what God did in Gary's and my heart and hearts and minds was he guided us to pray for our military and their families. We knew we were going to war. We were, at that time, working in an overseas ministry, but our hearts and our minds were focused on the military. So we found out that Crew, Campus Crusade for Christ, had a military ministry. We didn't even know that before. <laughs> so when we found out about that, we decided to visit with them at our international conference and then a year later moved to Virginia from Arizona to live and work at the headquarters of military ministry there. And we worked at Fort Eustis and had just an honor to serve the soldiers for, oh gosh, about nine years, nine, ten years. How long do we serve there, honey? Yes, and we've, we've just had uh, a great uh, learning experience uh, finding out who the military people are. They are um, incredible servants. And so much of what they believe already um, is mm-hmm. biblical, their mm-hmm. core values. Like, for example, I learned today, being at Lackland Air Force Base, that the Air Force core values are excellence, service, service. and liberty. No, excellence, service, and integrity. Integrity, there we go. Service, integrity, integrity, integrity and excellence. Yes. And, and they, it's, they are a very honorable people with a very honorable service, sacrificial service that they do. And just getting to know them alone has been a great adventure. Yeah. And uh, we, we support the military marriages. We support uh, uh, post-traumatic stress uh, sufferers, uh, and there are many. And we also support, of course, the general spiritual fitness of both the military and their families. We love them dearly, and um, I hope that uh, your listeners, Sophie, are praying for them daily. They sure need it. Amen. Amen. Uh, They seem in some ways to be, in some ways, I think God might use them ultimately to be the last great hope of the culture. I mean, uh, that, that spirit of service and sacrifice and I think of how often in the Bible, so often, Old and New Testaments, men and women of the, in uniform, men and women of military service, they were never derided. They were never degraded. In fact, they were often given chances. They asked John the Baptist, you know, what should we do? These Roman soldiers. And you'd think John the Baptist would say, you know, turn it all in. He said, just don't, but use your power and your authority appropriately. Don't take advantage of people, and so it's so always so interesting to me that in Cornelius, this this great believer in the first century, and this Roman centurion that Jesus said had greater faith than anybody he had noticed. You know, it's just it is remarkable. Katie, Gary, thank you. I, I love hearing your story. I am so grateful you're considering coming to our city. You're going to be a blessing to us, and folks, I hope that you'll. Uh, echo that with me. Pray for them as they make those preparations to come and join our, our staff team. 
And who knows, maybe there's someone out there who would like to ha- like to have a missionary couple. Uh, maybe some ministry that you've been supporting has um, gone a different direction, or maybe the project has ended and you're looking for a place to invest in people's lives and partner with some missionaries that are having a clear, solid uh, effect and impact and with a great, great track record. So track record, get it? with the running. <laughs> but uh, maybe you'd like to get to know Gary and Katie. Just let us know about it and we'll somehow facilitate that relationship. We'll always like to try to answer a few of the questions. The book of Hebrews was, of course, written to Jews, but what Jews in particular, to those who had trusted in Messiah. And the Bible is compared to a double-edged sword or knife because it cuts deep into our lives as humans to the very core of our being. I hope you join us next week, folks, for the Bible Live Quiz Show. And all this week, the Bible Live we'll read is the Bible dedicated together. to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.